La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding, ding, ding. Mais boum, quand notre cœur. Hey, bonjour, my rugby friends. Hey, bonjour, Mike. Bonjour, bonjour. Because rugby, rugby all the way, isn't it? It seems to be games coming thick and fast at the moment. Yes, at last, you know, because we had like, what, seven months with no rugby, yeah, so yeah. it's a long time coming. So welcome to episode seven of French Rugby Connection, the rugby podcast with a Gallic twist and a bit of Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> so on this podcast, I will cover the latest French and European European rugby news and top 14. And this week I will be... Uh, Joined by an international rugby player. Whoa. So, yeah, Mike, who do you think I managed to speak this week? I haven't got a clue. Give me, give me, uh, give me some clues then. Let's see if I can guess who it is. Okay, so is an international rugby player. He played for the national Canadian team and he took part in three World Cups. Three World Cups, crikey. Mm. Nah, can you give me another clue? Did he? Who did he play club rugby for? Okay, so he played club rugby in France for Grenoble, Clermont. Everybody will remember him for his days, Clermont. Oh. And finally, Oyonna. Would it be Jamie Cudmore by any chance? Exactly, Wait. the man himself. Oh, that's yeah. Great. So, Jamie, really, really pleased to have you on my uh, weekly podcast today. So, I wanted to ask you, you know, so you are Canadian. So, why are you playing? Why you? Uh, why rugby and not hockey instead? <laughs> Well, thanks for having me on, Veronique. Um, yeah, why rugby? Uh, well, to be honest, I, I grew up in a small town on the West Coast. Uh, it was a bit, bit rough back in the day. Uh, a little town called Squamish up in the mountains north of Vancouver. Um, there was uh, a big hockey culture there, um, but it was, it was quite violent. Uh, small town uh, hockey is pro probably pretty similar to uh, small town rugby around the world where uh, it's pretty parochial and um, you know, things get pretty heated. Uh, a lot of teams, you know, come in from the city and they have to get escorted out by the police at the end. And parents are fighting and kids are fighting. It's uh, it's a bit bit of a bit of a bit of a shit show. But um, <laughs> so my mother, my mom said, "Well, there's no way you're not you're not playing that. I'm not taking you into that into that rink and um, you know you, you fighting on the on the ice and everybody else fighting everywhere else." She goes, she says, "Too violent." So I said, "All right." Um, I was pretty lucky. My old man was crazy into skiing, and as we lived only 20 minutes down the road from West, I uh, I started. Uh, I got on the school ski team, and I started going skiing a lot more than uh, than doing anything else. And so I kind of went into the, onto the skiing uh, and soccer on the weekends. Um, and then as I got older, um, there was an opportunity to play rugby um, through a boss of mine. Uh, I was working in the bush, working logging uh, as, a, as a teenager. And um, my boss at the time uh, said, listen, you want to come out and play rugby? Uh, I think you guys, uh, you would really enjoy it. So um, that's kind of how, how it started. I started quite late. I started about 15, 16 with my local men's club. And uh, it kind of uh, it grew from there. Excellent. So you were working in the forest as a bûcheron. Is that correct? Yeah, that's where 
Um, you know, you, you get jobs in the summer in Canada, whether it's, you know, doing construction or tree planting or, or logging or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, as, as a youngster running around in the woods, it was uh, something I enjoyed doing anyway. So you get, you get paid pretty well as well, even though it is, it is, but, um, you know, I, I, I loved it. And, uh, that's, uh, that's how it all started. And it was perfect training as well for to build some muscle, you know, for, for rugby. Just for our um, uh, friends who don't understand um, uh, French, bûcheron means? Uh, logger. Exactly, exactly. So I bet, you know, you had the body for, uh, for, for, for rugby already. So which, um, which um, team did you, did you join? What was your first uh, team? Yes. Uh, so I, I, I joined. Uh, I joined my uh, my my local team in Squamish. They were called the uh, the Squamish Axemen, and uh, and with the Axemen, uh, it was kind of a bit of a ragtag group of uh, group of guys from around town. Even up in Whistler, there's a few expats from up in Whistler, and a few guys from around town. We used to we used to train under the lights of um, the local uh, elementary school. And uh, luckily, my uh, my second row partner, his mom was uh, was a janitor, um, and so you know, obviously, in the winter time, it gets it gets dark pretty early, and uh, she used to leave the lights on on the second floor of the school, and we would uh, we would train under the lights, but like quite close to the school, so we had to be a bit careful. You didn't get uh, you didn't get smacked into the side of the wall uh, or uh, or break any windows with the balls, but um, you know that was kind of my my Did you introduction enjoy it? to rugby. I loved it. I loved it. You know, we'd, uh, we'd change in the back of our trucks uh, in the parking lot uh, for games or for training. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was the only, the only place where I had been at that time in my life where um, somebody pat you on the back if you, if you, if you had a big hit or you, you maybe had a, had a good fight. Or, uh, um, so, uh, yeah, this is, a, this, is, this is a sport for Brilliant. me. Brilliant. And uh, tell me more about the, the, status, the state of uh, rugby in Canada because Canada is not really associated yet with, um, with Canada, it's more with hockey and so on. So um, how well developed is it over there? So rugby in Canada has always been quite strong in certain areas. Um, you know, definitely here on the West Coast, uh, where I am in Victoria, Vancouver, we, uh, we have the luxury of having, um, you know, the better weather throughout the year so we can have a similar season uh, that, you know, as, as you would in, uh, in any northern hemisphere. You know, we can go, we can play pretty much all the way through the winter as we don't get too much snow. Uh, the rest of the country has to play in the summertime because uh, they're under three feet of snow most uh, about six, seven months of the year. Um, the last kind of, you know, just looking at the last 10 years with rugby being, uh, you know, rugby sevens being in the Olympic Games, um, had a, a real uh, positive impact on, on more uh, boys and especially girls playing the game. Um, it's a uh, it's a varsity sport in uh, women's uh, women's uh, university uh, sport. So uh, there's good opportunities to get uh, your schooling paid for and play rugby at a high level. And then on the men's side, uh, our application has gone in for that, so we can hopefully get a varsity status for uh, for players playing in the, the university system. And um, with our development academy up up and running, we've got uh, some really good pathways for our uh, high performance guys. Uh, 
coming through our under 18s, under 20s, and then here with uh, with the National Development Academy that I run. So, what were your your best memories of playing um, at the uh, World Cup? No, my memories from the World Cup were definitely um, the biggest one were uh, from 2003, uh, my first World Cup in Australia, where um, you know I was I was a young guy, just kind of quite quite recently uh, introduced to rugby. I'd only been playing really about you know only about five 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 six years, um, but um, you know it was uh, it was get up and figure it out real quick. And uh, next thing I know, I was in the Canadian team. I just come off a year uh, in Wales playing with Finnesley, uh, my first professional experience, um, and then into the World Cup in '03, and you know playing against the All Blacks, playing against Wales, had a good win against Tonga. Um, and just being in that kind of that environment was, uh, to me, uh, it was mind blowing uh, because I remember starting playing rugby in Squamish and I didn't even know, you know, it was it was professional or it, it was even that that popular. So, um, you know, from the from that first first World Cup in '03 and getting all those amazing experiences, going all the way through the uh, the other ones to uh, the last one in 2015, where I was, I was uh, very very fortunate to have uh, captained uh, my side. Um, in, uh, in in England and uh, and you know had a had, a, had an enjoyable time. Yes. Uh, so you played in Canada and then you decided to move to uh, to Europe and you played for France. Yeah, so I uh, I originally playing in Vancouver. Um, I moved from Squamish down to Vancouver, played some some club rugby. Uh, I had an opportunity to move down to New Zealand and play some club rugby down there, where uh, you know I just kept kind of. Getting finding a, a better level to play at, um, advance my game and, and just enjoy myself. Um, so I had a really good time in New Zealand. Ended up coming back to Canada after a year down there, uh, and then uh, was invited into uh, our National Development Academy, which, fun, funnily enough, I, I now run. Um, so uh, so I had a year there, and then that's when uh, things things really took off. I had an opportunity to uh, to uh, to play with Canada. I got my first cap. And then the year after, I went to uh, Fanathi in Wales, where I had a year with uh, with the the Scarlets. Well, they weren't the Scarlets yet; they were. It was still Fanathi, uh, the uh, the original uh, regional team. Um, and then uh, that was uh, the World Cup in '03. And then my opportunity uh, to go and play professionally in France uh, started in Grenoble. So I was in Grenoble for uh, for two seasons. Um, it was uh, a difficult time at the, at the club at that time. There was. Uh, Few right. financial irregularities with the, the the president at the time, and uh, there was a bit of uh, a division in uh, in the in the team between uh, mm-hmm. between different kind of different groups. Um, coaching staff was was struggling, um, just trying to keep everybody together, and um, I didn't I didn't feel it was uh, it was a very stable place um, at that. Midway through my my second season, uh, I was approached by uh, some teams in England and some teams in France, um, and mm-hmm. I ended up uh, choosing to go to Clermont-Ferrand, and uh, and that's where um, you know I, I spent I spent the majority of my career. I spent 11 years in Clermont, built my built a family, built a career. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you were in the team that uh, that were able to lift the uh, bouclier de Brenus. Uh, which is the French trophy when you win the, um, the top 14. 
Yeah, that's right. We won the uh, we won the Bouclier in uh, in 2010 after being uh, after being in the final the three years previously and losing each one. Um, we finally won it on the hundredth year anniversary of the of the club. Um, so that was uh, that was an amazing achievement for for the club and for the squad and uh, and you know for myself to be a part of that was uh, was outstanding. It's something that I'll never forget. You know the. <laughs> The, the, it felt like the town exploded for about a week. Uh, you know, there was everybody shut down. The bars were wide open, and uh, it was a it was a party for about a week of uh, everybody just uh, kind of a, a collective sigh of sigh of huge relief, and then uh, and then the uh, the realization that uh, we had actually won it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I first I first went to Oyana um, after. Uh, uh, 2016, I moved to Oyanao, where I was um, I was I was cap I captained the the, the club uh, to win the Pro Deux. So we won uh, um, promotion into the top 14. Um, I moved into coaching at that time, and uh, I had already uh, I had already been coaching for quite a while. I, I've always coached throughout my career. Uh, I coached in Canada. I coached down in New Zealand. I coached um, with the Espoirs in uh, in Clermont during my time there. Um, and then when I moved uh, to Oyana, I was originally there for two years plus two years coaching. But you know, being uh, at at that time, I was 38. I was, uh, you know, I think a little bit beat up from my career. So um, you know, talking with the the president there and the, and, the, and the coaching staff, it made sense that I, that I moved into the coaching staff. Uh, I really really enjoyed that. It was uh, it was an eye opening experience. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, good lessons learned, and um, you know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed coaching uh, the group that I had um, in the in the top fourteen. Um, unfortunately, things went kind of sour. Uh, you know, about six months into it, where we had a, a head coach that was uh, completely dishonest. So, uh, you know, I can't work in a situation like that where I, I don't have confidence in the people that I work with. Um, so, you know, we had a meeting with the presidents and the, and the coaching staff and, you know, I just, I stood up and said, listen, if you're going to, if you're going to stay, this guy's going to stay, well, uh, it's not with me because I, I don't want to put my name behind, uh, somebody who's dishonest and basically incompetent. So, uh, I left the club, um, and, uh, was, um, was recruited to take over the, the club of Aix and Provence, uh, that following season. In, uh, in the Pro Deux as well. Um, and that was a great experience. Uh, we moved down to Provence, lovely place to live. You know, it's the only place I've been uh, where in the wintertime it's, uh, you know, it's maybe minus two in the morning and it's 18, 20 <laughs> degrees in the afternoon. So for, uh, for a kid from the West Coast that's used to rain all year round, um, I, was, uh, I was very fortunate to, to enjoy awesome. our time there. And um, yeah, I think yeah. France Sorry. did really well, had a very good. Uh, feedback you know from uh, Jacqueline Gagnon who is who works for the uh, yeah. Oyona Supporter Association and I spoke with her online earlier this morning mentioning I was speaking to you and the quote she gave me was that uh, she was very happy I could speak with you Le Bûcheron <laughs> that was your nickname in uh, in Oyona is very well is well extremely well appreciated by the supporter of Oyona. It's a charming person who likes talking, spending time with supporters, who is very easy of access. A correct person, generous, frank, c'est un super mec, is a great guy. And she did say, yeah, come and see them whenever, <laughs> whenever you have the opportunity, you would be welcome. And they'll 
they will bake for you. I think one of the specialty. I forgot what it is, but it's a it's a very nice, very nice cake. So uh, yeah, the Oyona supporter will be uh, very happy to 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 hear from you. So talking about um, French life and Frenchmen and uh, Les Dieux du Stade. Les Dieux du Stade is a calendar that um, once a year, in which you know basically uh, displays some photographies from uh, of. Um, <laughs> naked, naked rugby man. So, were you ever asked to to be part of the Les Dieux du Stade calendar? Yeah, yeah, I was. That was funny. Funnily enough, I did that a few years ago, and uh, yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit thing. No swimsuits, and then for rugby guys. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. We had a laugh with that with a few of my buddies and uh, guys that have gone through it in the past, or or guys that. We were doing doing it uh, together then, but uh, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind getting uh, getting the kid off for charity. So uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was a bit, bit of a laugh. <laughs> yeah. It was all for a good cause. Exactly. Good. exactly. You know what? It should be a, a global a global calendar because it only happened in France for some bizarre reason. Of course. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe maybe that's a new project for uh, John. For me. But for you, yeah. <laughs> Me and Jean-Pierre, we can work on that on our next project. That's Perfect. a very good one. <laughs> we share the fee with you and <laughs> you gave us the So you've been, you know, you've been playing a lot for a very long time in um, in, in rugby and right now I believe you work, you are back into the Canada at Canada uh, rugby league as um What are your responsibilities? I wouldn't like to say incorrectly. No, that's okay. So I'm the uh, I'm the forwards coach for the Canadian national team, uh, and I'm also the head coach of our national academy. So day to day, I uh, I coach uh, our national academy with uh, a, an ex Canadian international named Phil Mack, um, and then when I'm with the national team, uh, we'll be in our. Uh, In a national team camp here next month, I coach with uh, Kingsley Jones, who's our uh, head coach, and Rob Howley, who's our uh, attack coach. Right. Sounds good. So it keeps you busy, that's for sure. Oh, we're very busy. Very busy. Very busy. Preparing for 2023. That's right. Yes. And so you've been playing, uh, you've been involved in the rugby world since... since for the Since you were 17 years old, you were saying... Uh, How? What have you? What are the major chances, changes that have occurred during that time, and what would you like to see even more? Um, well, I think uh, the major change, uh, just for rugby in general, is uh, is the overall speed, the speed of the game, the amount of time that the the ball is in play. I think is almost doubled in the last 20 years. Um, so with that, with that speed and with that that change in uh, intensity, um, you know you've you've got to adjust uh, the laws uh, so that uh, players can be uh, can be you know healthy and safe. Um, I think uh, one place they've gotten that wrong is definitely around uh, around concussion. Um, you know, world rugby's known about the dangers of concussion since you know they've had numerous studies and, and theses thrown at them since the 70s, um, and we've gone backwards in the professional era in terms of player welfare. Um, you know, that's that's pretty disappointing considering you know back in the you know 
eighties, nineties, and even early two thousands, it used to be a three week stand down period for somebody that after they had a, a head injury, and now they've uh, they've reduced that to six days. Well, you know why does why does it work for six days? Because the professional clubs play every seven days, so you know it's it's not it's not better for the player; it's better for the club, and uh, it's uh, that's where you know rugby uh, world and rugby needs yourself, to be stronger. You- Right. Very, very important feedback. I believe yourself, you suffered from concussion when you were playing at Clermont. Yeah, everybody, I think everybody playing rugby uh, has has different issues with concussion throughout their lives. Um, You know, it's a contact sport. You're never going to get completely eradicated. But there is definitely um, better techniques on how to deal with the the injury at, at, at its time. Um, you know, as, as, as kids growing up here in Canada, we understand the dangers around head injuries and we're told to uh, take the time needed to get healthy. Whereas in, in France, it's, uh, and even other, other places, there's still the attitude that, you know, it's a big, tough kid or, or she's a strong girl and she can keep going. Well, that's, that's not true because uh, we don't know the full extent of the injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be continued then. That's right. Absolutely. Okay, let's finish on a more positive note. So I've heard, oh, you are rubbing shoulder with Hollywood royalty. <laughs> <laughs> Last week I had Andrew Mertens telling me that he was rubbing, sh- you know, shoulders with Mike Tindall, who is married to the granddaughter of uh, of the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> But you, it's more Hollywood. Royalty, tell me more. I believe uh, you've got a very famous brother. Yeah, yeah, my brother Daniel. He's uh, he's an actor. He's uh, he's been quite successful over the last kind of 10-15 years, uh, doing a bunch of different roles uh, in uh, in Hollywood. Obviously, with his biggest role would be well there's a few he's, he's done the x-men he was colossus in x-men he's, oh nice he's done... can i have his autograph <laughs> can i have his number please <laughs> yeah he's uh he's uh he's done a bunch of the um uh the twilight movies as well uh, oh yes of course yeah. he was one of the vampires that's right yeah he's done that what was his name in the vampire uh, i think I his name was uh he was part of the volturi his name was felix yes. Yeah, Felix, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the blonde one. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's kind of the, he's the big shot. So uh, in the family, he's uh, he's he's been successful. It's good because uh, I think my both my brothers have been very successful. My my younger brother Luke uh, played professionally. Uh, Daniel uh, played played some rugby as well and was very very good at it. But you know, took uh, took uh, his his role in, in acting very seriously and kept it on with that. My little brother, after playing professionally, uh, has started a, a great con- construction career, and uh, and I'm here coaching with Canada. So the 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 brother, the three of us are, are are doing quite well here. That's brilliant. That's excellent. Yeah, you you especially. So, and what about when you retire uh, from the world of rugby? Fancy picking up some. Some Hollywood roles, <laughs> some maybe. acting. You know, because yeah. don't know if you know Eric Cantona. Eric Cantona yeah. used to play for Manchester. You know, decided uh, when he retired, that's it. I'm going. I'm going to be an actor. Yeah. And he became one. Actually, there's a film about him, and he does a few adverts now for for ciders and so on. But uh, yeah, so does it take all your fancy? Yeah, why not? Why not? You know, I'm uh, I'm open to many different uh, propositions or. Uh, things that, that are interesting, and uh, I, I would never say no. 
And you know what? I would see you very well in a role in the Game of Thrones. If they were to do a film uh, in the Game of Thrones, in the movies, you would be a perfect character, maybe, protecting Cersei or... <laughs> or protecting, protecting uh, Arya. Well, I'd, I've never seen Game of Thrones, so I can't really talk on the characters. But uh, you know, if there's a role for me and uh, it makes sense and it looks like fun, <laughs> then why not? Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Jenny. I wish you all the best. And um, yeah, uh, have a good day because it's still early and you are at work. You got loads on, and uh, I really appreciate the fact you took some time to speak uh, to speak with me. No problem, Veronique. Thank you for having me. Les oiseaux du lac, pic, pac, pic, pic, glou, 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche. So, Mike, what did you think about the uh, the final between? Toulon versus Bristol in gorgeous Aix-en-Provence. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? I mean, uh, a thousand people there and looking at the TV pictures, you know, they're obviously all Toulon fans. But what a start for Bristol. Uh, was it 15 seconds Harry Randall got a try, which is the fastest try in, in a final? 15 seconds. And they were 10-0 up after, after a few minutes. And I thought, gosh, Toulon are really going to going to struggle here but uh, but you know they clawed it back they they led 16-10 at half time Toulon did so uh, you know Bristol's tries had two tries disallowed also by the TMO in the first half so it was action all the way and when you think Bristol had six injured players you know they, they turned it round and won um, 32-19 but, but what an incredible game what an exciting game and what, and what a credit to to the European Challenge Cup, you know, which is often sort of thought of as, obviously, as the lower lower tier of cup competition. But, you know, it was a cracking game. And, of course, on that artificial 4G pitch, you know, I think both teams put up a, put a really good performance. But congratulations, Bristol. You yes, know. and did you see that uh, Max Malin was actually um, scored a wonderful try? Yeah. Uh, during the game, and Max Malin, let's not forget, was on our podcast a few weeks Absolutely. ago, twenty fourth of September. Yeah, you know. So wow, I feel very, very privileged, you know, to Absolutely, have been able yeah. to speak with a rising star of um, of rugby, and I hope he will come back to Saracen one day. Now, so that's the <laughs> challenge. <laughs> yeah, oh, and of course, Callum Sheedy, the the, his, uh, the fly half has been called into the into the Welsh squad. He kicked six penalties and two conversions, 22 points, and um, possibly in line to play against France this Saturday, although with a, there's a bit of a fuss with the Gallagher final because Wasps are due to play um, Exeter at Twickenham, but Wasps have got COVID problems. And if they can't get a team together because of the COVID restrictions, then Bristol will step in. So... You know, the rugby world being chucked about all over the place with COVID at the moment. It's very disruptive right now. It's never went through the, uh, that situation before. So it's, uh, yes, we, we, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, you know, they, what they could do as well, maybe potentially is to delay by another week. But I'm not sure whether it would be feasible yeah. because of the... Uh, the broadcasters and so yeah, on. Yeah, and of course, so, yeah, yeah, and you've got the international call-ups, you know, as well. So it's, uh, mm. yeah, I think they should just give it to Exeter. Quite honestly, they were top of the of the table, you know. Yeah, just given the title. 
I agree with you. I agree with you. But anyway, we're not healthy judges. We can't yeah, give our opinion. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so Heineken Champions Cup, Exeter versus Racing. As you know, being French, I was rooting all the way from for Racing Metro, yeah. not Racing 92. I'm not going to spend too much time on, on it because, you know, it's water on the bridge now and it's still hurting. But the guys, you know, from Racing were very ready. That was their third final. Exactly, yeah. Um, uh, they, 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 I think they, they played as much as they were. I mean, they, they were a few hiccups, obviously. Yeah. Unfortunately, that you... I mean, you you saw a few. I mean, let's talk about the the bad and the uh, not in not so great, in your opinion. <laughs> well, I mean, Finn Russell, isn't he? He's one of these guys, you know, who is sort of switches between genius and error, you know, in an instant. You know, when he's at his best, he creates wonderful stuff, as he did. And when he makes mistakes, you know, the opposition score. But, I mean, six tries in a final. It, it was it was a cracking game to watch. And poor Wenceslas Lore for, for Racing. That's his fourth final and he's lost four times. Yes. <laughs> so he's got a good collection of uh, runners-up medals, hasn't he? Yes, not so great. But, you know, I was looking at the review, you know, the day after and... There were a few comments from um, from some of the players. So Teddy Iribaren, who didn't have a yeah, he was really half. off his game, wasn't he? And you know why? He basically the it's not he did say he doesn't want to use that as an excuse. But the the day before, he, he injured slightly his thigh. Oh, okay. And on the on the morning, he felt okay, but during the game, I think he he was. Um, it wasn't himself. Yeah, something um, wasn't right. After... Yeah, because he's he's such a good player. I was really surprised. Yes. I thought, so yeah, I I thought it was something, you know, that hadn't been reported. But oh, so he had a thigh injury. That that might explain it. Yes. Then. And after twenty two minutes, Tra- Traver wanted to replace him. Yeah. But um, well, good. You know, he he picked up a little bit, but you know, after a second half, Machino had to had to be back on the pitch so uh, but I have to say no, I have to raise the, my hat you know or my beret you know for <laughs> some players that were you know fighting really hard such as uh, Zebu for instance oh yeah, yeah he was really back to form wasn't he what a what a great uh, what a great performance and also yes. I think we need a special word for the referee as well who had a cracking game <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. What I can say is that um, in the last five minutes, you know, I'm a bit, you know it's, it's a really, it's a big shame that uh, the Racing players, you know, didn't step out and decided to kick the goal. Yeah, to, to, yeah. You know, to kick a, a drop goal. Yeah, I, but, couldn't, uh, I couldn't understand that. Because I was kept looking for Finn Russell to, to go back in the pocket and... You know, I think they could have hung on then, but yeah. Mm. What can you say? Never mind. Twenty-five missed mm. tackles from Exeter. Now you wouldn't think that, would you? With no. the performance no. and sixteen turnovers against Racing. Mm-hmm. So, but but when you think that Exeter were fourteen nil up after sixteen minutes, I mean, Racing came back really well, didn't they? And I mean, Camille Shah. Well, he was just like a runaway bull, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Incredible performance. Yes. Oh well. There's 
still, I mean, until next year, you know. That basically, they are sharing the same record as Clermont-Ferrand. Clermont-Ferrand yeah. lost three times in, in the finals as well for the Champions yeah. Cup. Hey, we didn't talk about France and what's happening all this weekend. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, I don't know whether Macron imposed the the curfew to stop the Welsh fans coming over, but uh, and of course Wales is in lockdown as well now. But on Saturday night at Stade de France, Wales will play France. Um, it is a friendly match if if there is such a thing between France and Wales. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like French rugby, you know, always a bit of a saga, isn't it? We've, we've spoken in previous podcasts about the disagreements between the LNR, the body that, that looks after club rugby, and the French Federation looks after international rugby. Well, they finally come to an agreement. France will get to play their six internationals in the autumn much to Bernard Laporte's uh, pleasure because he'd arranged he'd organized a seven million euro deal with with French uh, television to screen the games so um, that's that's a, a big coup for for France uh, Fabian Galte can now select 31 players for each match but the players are limited to three games this autumn so any one player can yes. play three games per autumn. So how many he will play against Wales, which is a friendly, um, I'm not sure. I'd imagine he'll be saving his best players up for for, for the real competitive games. I would expect uh, the same as well, you know, from, from Fabian. Gatti. But it'll be a fascinating Absolutely. game. I mean, Wales have been in camp now for about two weeks, um, focusing on the game and... Um, Sean Edwards was on Welsh Radio, the the French um, defensive coach, and he said that France will only actually have one day of active training before the game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, that affects the the performance on Saturday night. Well, they would have to use some of their uh, French players yeah. <laughs> to fight against yeah. the dragons. You know, let's let's wait and the see. The good news is it's live on ITV Four. Um, kick off eight o'clock, so um, so that'd be well worth a watch, I think. Absolutely, that's great. That's great news. Makes a change as well. So hey, that leads us nicely to the top fourteen, despite the um, exciting ch um, Challenge Cup and Heineken Cup. Um, this, there were some matches that took place this weekend. So the first one was La Rochelle versus Castres, and my goodness, it was such a prize <laughs> fest. How many? So the score, I'm going to give you the score, Mike. So score was 62 uh, to yeah. 3. So how many tries do you think were scored by La Rochelle? Five, five, five six, six or seven? Five, six or seven. I would I would think yes. looking at the score, seven. Yes. Seven, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like Bruce Foss, I would say. Absolutely. Um I think the preparation of La Rochelle was uh, spot on because uh, Cass always has that reputation of being yeah. rough yeah. and ready. And so um, the they, they, La Rochelle, you know, were, um, prepared themselves for their offensive. 
And uh, also, Cass didn't play that well. He showed much more indiscipline okay. uh, than, than usual. And he granted La Rochelle with 11 wow. penalties. Yeah, I mean, La Rochelle are tough to beat at home anyway, aren't they? But if you're going to give away 11 penalties, you know, you're not going to win, are you? Correct, correct. But I have to say, no, La Rochelle still... Um, I mean, they ranked three after three, three games played with only two games played versus um, Castres. So there was one game um, yeah. difference. And uh, La Castres is ranked 11, so quite quite low in the, in the chart. But I have to say, if there was one player that really, really was amazing it was Arthur Rotier okay. the hurricane he scored um, yeah he scored three tries during that Excellent. game yeah because he's in the so he's in the French a... squad as well isn't he so it'd be interesting to see uh, if he can take his form into the international arena I believe as well it's his yeah. first time his yeah. first selection so that's uh, it's going to be interesting so next week they're playing against uh, Bordeaux so uh, yeah, uh, if I were Bordeaux, I would uh, <laughs> I would be uh, I would make myself I would be very yeah. very prepared. So I, then there was another game. Um, Pau versus yeah, that Bordeaux. was a close one. Uh, Pau won twenty nine twenty four, but actually um, Bordeaux were leading sixteen nine at half time. Um, two tries each, and you know Pau. Once again, um, you know, showing some good form. They're up to third in the table, and uh, yeah, have had a really good start to the season. Good stuff, good stuff. And we had another game: Montpellier versus Agen. And Whoa. finally, finally, hallelujah! Yeah. <laughs> uh, Montpellier won his ever first game, whereas Agen again lost um lost his game so Altrad was was happier than usual apparently you know he arrived an hour and a half <laughs> before the game his face was yeah there's he a lot of pressure on them voice, as you do yeah because you know having said that you know he's, yeah. he's a businessman and he's a millionaire he's uh he has invested 27 million euros uh in his club so uh, he would expect them yeah. to be at the top of the top fourteen, so they really needed that that uh, that victory. Yeah, that takes so, takes them up a few uh, places in the table. They're up to eleventh. So um, yeah, yes, yeah, the must like we spoke on last week's podcast. You know, there's a lot of pressure on Saint Andre, wasn't there, to get a win against Agen? So it will lift the pressure off him a bit. That's for sure. Exactly, and his coach as well, Xavier Gabarza yeah, yeah. as well. So um, yeah. So on the way up, let's hope it continues for the sake of yeah. the players and for the sake of Saint-André and Carvajosa. Uh, which game did we have? Oh, mm. yeah, Brie versus mm. Toulouse. So it was um, took place in Le Stadium in Brive. Um, but, you know, Toulouse, top of the top of the league right now. Uh, they, they, they were very, very strong. They strangled Brive. Brive tried hard, very hard, but were not strong enough, you know, they, they just couldn't keep the ball. Um, and on the 18 minutes, Colby, you know, received a kick okay. in his ribs and he had to be uh, to be sent out, which would have been, you know, an opportunity mm. for Brive maybe to uh, to be more efficient. 
Um, but no, they still, you know, they, they didn't enter into the game. So, um, uh, they, unfortunately, they, you know, they, they, yeah. they, they lost the game. But it didn't come as no, a, it didn't no. come as a big surprise because Toulouse are playing so so well. But on the positive side, however, it was the 110 anniversary for Brive. Uh, okay. For the foundation of Brive and the um, supporters, the club des actionnaires brivistes, les d'accolés Afesuna, the uh, shareholders of the club, um, brought uh, they brought some what do you call it? Some oh, pictures, yeah. you know, into the stadium in the sign of in the shape oh, of one hundred and ten. So yes. Exactly, exactly. So, and as there was, yeah, well, I was I focused on Claremont, they were at home to Stade Francais and a pretty convincing win for Claremont 41 27. Five tries for Claremont. Um, half time, it was, it was, well, I wouldn't say close 24 13. It certainly didn't look like it was going to be uh, the big score that it was, but interestingly. Uh, Stade Francais had 68% of the possession, which wouldn't seem to reflect the scoreline. Uh, 14, poot, 14, poots, 14 points from the boot of Cami Lopez. I think I got the wrong teeth in. And two tries from Seb Bezzi. So, you know, Claremont uh, getting better and better. And they are now up to fourth in the table. So uh, they'll be pretty happy with, with events at the... Um, start Marcel Michelin. Good. And there was another game, a very last game that took place. Yes. Well, yeah, talking about big scores, uh, Lyon 62. <laughs> yeah, that's 62. Um, Bayonne 10. So um, half time, it was done and dusted, really. Lyon were leading 31 5. 10 tries, a hat trick for Joshua. Tuasova, the former Toulon winger and the, the Fijian. And, yeah, one-way traffic for Lyon, which um, which pushes them up into fifth place in the table. Um, so, yeah, very happy Sunday night uh, down in Lyon. Yeah, they won Absolutely. fire. That's a big win. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so, time for okay. the lesson now. Hey, are you ready? I'm going to oh, give good. you an easy one now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, how do you set a drop goal? I have no idea. I can't even... Okay. Clue. I told you it would be an easy drop. one. No drop goal. <laughs> I'm not that easy. <laughs> not quite. Yeah, he's nearly no there. 50% there. Undrop. Yeah. Is Undrop. it really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and a more difficult now. Uh, how do you say a tackle? Oh, is, it, is it? I'm trying to think. I heard the referees shout. Um, is it Lasse or something? Or no, no, no. No, it's it's, okay. it's quite a tough one. But hopefully, we remember. I will. I'll be yeah, testing yeah, you yeah, in the next the podcast just I'll to make sure you remember <laughs> all the French words. Of course, of course. <laughs> what? You better pass as well. So it's called. Cool. Placage. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I should know that. I should know that really. Yes. And uh, hey, listen. I've just. Okay. I'm just going to quickly Fine. mention. Um, as you said at the beginning, there is a yeah. 
top 14 program this weekend I'll, I'll just quickly run through the fixtures for the listeners oh, uh, yes. Toulouse are mm-hmm. at home to Lyon Clermont at home to Poe Ajon are at home to Bayonne the Paris Derby at the Stade Jean Bouin, uh, Stade Francais, uh, play Racing. Montpellier mm-hmm. are at home to Brive. And La Rochelle, as, as you mentioned, face uh, Bordeaux. And Toulon face Castra Olympique. So, um, you know, big weekend of rugby ahead. Also, there's an international on Friday night. Scotland are playing Georgia. And that is also on ITV4. And just to mention for France women who play in Scotland in a Six Nations game on Sunday. So a busy weekend. Busy weekend. Very interesting. Okay, so I know what yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> as usual, as usual. Time for a joke now. What do you call a Welshman holding the rugby world? Cup? Have we done this one already? <laughs> Another what you call Another a one? Oh, I don't know. I can't tell. I can't tell. <laughs> oh, An engraver. Deary me. Deary me. Deary me. <laughs> well, we shall find out, shall we? One of us is going to be happy in the next podcast. We'll find out on Saturday night exactly, exactly what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's it then. We're so, done, are we? Wow. We are done. We only did. So I hope you will have a yeah. A you too. Well, a Saturday night and, is going to be a wonderful evening. I've just got this feeling. <laughs> are you? Yes. I'll be wearing my lucky beret, you know, on my hat. Yeah, I'll be wearing my woolly jumper. Yes, so yeah. that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Veronica, you take care. Okay. We'll so catch you next week. <laughs> Les oiseaux du Cheers, bye. Bye. Okay, bye. 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 Bye.